D-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! <laughs> it is another edition of Believe in the Eagles here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Gill, and my buddy there is Aton Sander. You can check him out all over the place. We'll tell you more about that as we go. Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to Believe in the Eagles. 6-1 birds, they beat the Dolphins. It's a big week. They got the Commanders coming up. They took care of the Dolphins pretty handily, Aton. We talked about it last week. The high-flying Dolphins, the Eagles scored 31. The Dolphins look kind of washed up on the shore. Yeah, I think ultimately for me, the two biggest players in that victory were, and I think clearly, A.J. Brown on offense and Hassan Reddick on defense and look there are other people involved it wasn't just a a two-man operation by any means but even with a couple of good throws by Jalen Hurts A.J. Brown had to go out and make some plays including times in which there were two individuals draped over him A.J. Brown is just turning into not just a number one receiver but one of the game's best like top three every week top five every week one of these guys that you just simply rely on. And look, the other side, Hassan Reddick, I think he represents a lot of individual player pressure where, okay, Sean Desai on defense, clearly similar issues we've seen coaching from last year. But when you have those type of players on the field, it means the world. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, that was a big difference by all means. Well, do we think that the Eagles offense, we talked about it last week, the high-flying Dolphins, and the Eagles are a little clunky, even though they yeah. have great personnel. Are they coming out of this? Like, I, I thought that, you know, you still had some red zone issues, but you're right, man. A.J. Brown, you talk about which receiver would you take, Hill or Brown. They shut Hill down 88 yards. He had a lot of catches. The Eagles did a great job. I thought Sean Desai's defense did a good job of kind of keeping him under wraps, but they couldn't figure out what to do. And I think a little bit, I got to give a little credit to Brian Johnson. I don't think he was great, but I think he did some good setups. He set up some plays that the results of some plays were not great, but they set up some big plays down the road. And I thought there was a couple big plays in the game, the A.J. Brown touchdown, uh, that really led to this win. Yeah, here's the thing. It doesn't seem like the Eagles are doing anything different. Like, they're not doing anything better on offense than they were last year, right? So if you look at it from what they had last year to what they had this year, the offense as a whole has taken a step back because it was a machine last year. And and look, if it's Brian Johnson adjusting or Nick Sirianni lying to us and saying that it's all Johnson and that he, I I don't know what it is, but yeah, I don't disagree with your assessment in the game. It just feels like they're working from less of a balance or less of maybe the bar from what it was last year. Like this team was dominant last year on offense. This though, Aton. So the Eagles defense gives up 17, and we're going to get into the buyer trade in just a minute here, but they hold the Miami high-flying 500 yards a game of offense to to 10 points because one was an interception returned for a touchdown. How good is this defense? So there are two things. One, they have the ability to pressure the quarterback, and that superseded any issues that Jonathan Gannon had, and it's doing the same for Sean Desai. And I was a vocal, mainly when it came to separating, right, proponent, if you will, separating the two. Like what those guys did, four guys with double-digit sacks, Mike Gill, last year, I'm not prepared to attribute that to Jonathan Gannon. 
That was four individuals winning battles, in most cases one-on-one, but even a couple of one-on-twos, what have you. I think the same is happening this year. They're deeper. They're running rotations on the defensive line. The Eagles' defense is much better than advertised when you look at statistical and you look at, like, okay, some coaching issues or hurdles or just taking time, if you will. But they're also a benefit of something. And I want to just highlight this one play because real quick, Mike, this is something that the Chiefs have benefited from ever since Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns in a season. We saw it again with the Miami Dolphins against the Eagles Sunday night. All right. Remember, let me take you back real quick. I'll shut up in a second. But let me take you back real quick to that play on fourth down in which the Dolphins went for it. They did not get it. Should have been a face mask. The very next play was Jalen Hurts throwing the pick six. But do you remember that fourth down in which they went for it, right? I do. They should never have gone for it in the first place. They should have taken the points on the board. But what is happening with the Eagles, and it's happened with the Chiefs, teams get ahead of themselves. Coaches think, I got to score as many points as possible to keep up with Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense. The Dolphins fell into that trap. And, yeah, that was a big part, I think, of why they stumbled as well. They were playing from behind in a mentality that they never should have been playing from behind like that. And it's going to aid the Philadelphia Eagles defense moving forward as it's been so far. Uh, Really good. Yeah, I like that breakdown. And, look, I think the Eagles defense, we're going to transition into Kevin Byard now. They had Byard. I say this, Aton. He is better than any safety you had last year, all right? He's better than Marcus Epps, and he brings more than Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Johnson had a lot of interceptions, so that kind of stands out. But this is a better player. You can use him in more ways than you could use those two guys. And a lot of people look at it, that trade as completing this defense. So do you look at it as that way, as this defense now is complete, and this is the run with this group of guys right here? Yeah, I mean, look, it fits all they can get, right? They're not going to trade for uh, a perennial pass rusher, the, the dude from Kansas City or, no, you know. No, probably not more pass rush. But they, could they, I mean, when Bradley Roby comes back, you're going to have Slay, yeah. Fired, Blankenship, Roby, and, 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 and Bradbury. Bradbury. Right. Yeah, look, that's, that's fine. That should be fine. That should be good enough of a defense to where the pressure you put on the quarterback should match that by all means. And I think when you look at the biggest part about, I would think just adding a guy like Byers, it's freedom, it's flexibility. You now as a coach or player like Slay, you can take some chances if you know you have some help behind you. It's kind of like the NBA equivalent of adding a shot blocker, right? To where you know you can take some chances on the perimeter. You can try and get in the passing lanes. You can attempt to for a steal. If I'm slain, I know that I've safety help like that, like a new addition that they brought in, or Bradbury, too, that, that I'm going to take some risks. The fact that they make this trade, a fifth and a sixth in Terrell Edmonds, it's because they have capital they know because of what they lost in free yeah. agency. So they have these picks coming back their way, all these comp picks. So I said the other day, does Howie Roseman, does anybody else call the Titans? Do they say, hey, we're interested? Or is he the only guy that calls? Or does he say, look, I'll give you the fifth, I'll throw in the sixth, and I'll replace him with Edmonds. You know, how does this get done? But to me, adding Bayard makes the defense now more legitimate. I don't know legitimately yeah. they were a good enough defense with what they had, I think, differently now. It should. It, it absolutely should. We don't always see this happen. We have seen it happen with the very same team and A.J. Brown come over, and clearly there was no issue, no adjustment period by any means. 
I don't think there will be, but, and he plays a position where he's going to be a little more free than restricted as far as like if it's coverage or, or anything along those lines. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think you look at the addition of a guy like Bayard, he's, he's all, or he's a pro bowler. Like he's one of the better safeties in the game. This should be a fit. It should be an easy fit, but again, guys leave different spots. The Titans are not getting rid of him because of any issues on the field, any locker room issues, what have you. Titans are going to get rid of him just like A.J. Brown. They don't want to pay somebody moving in a direction where they're going to be rebuilding. Ryan Tannehill's out. They should trade for Derek, uh, trade Derrick Henry ASAP. So that factors into it. Now, back to the original point you made real quick about Roseman. He has seemed to have a little knack here for taking advantage of teams that are in this particular spot. I don't know. We'd have to go through the rest of the NFL, Mike, which I don't think we have time for. But how many other teams were in desperate need of safety help? A. B. Were in a hunt for the playoffs, at least pressure to win the Super Bowl this year. And C. At least had the means to make it interesting for the Titans in a trade. Probably not many. Like, I don't think Howie Roseman outbid any other team to get fired back. Uh, that's a good point. I, I'm wondering if, uh, if if anybody else made the call or is Roseman just uh, – and by the way, if you're Tennessee, you got ripped off once by giving the Eagles A.J. Brown. Now you give them Kevin Byard. Let's see. Uh, Micah Parsons, Aton Shander, he says the Eagles are the number one team in the league. There's no shame in this Cowboy saying the Eagles are the best. Now, is he saying that as a psychological issue to put some pressure on the Eagles? You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Or is he being sincere? <laughs> I don't know what to make of this dude, man. I, one day I feel like he's saying anything and everything to get out of Dallas, and he's just trying to avoid the latest, which is at some point Jerry Jones is going to turn his sights on him like he has with Dak Prescott, or if this is just some master troll job by Micah Parsons. I, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see for the next Dallas game, I think, at this point. But – it's locker room material, I think, in the sense of, all right, so it's basically like this. Do you remember, and, and why not? He's in the news every day, rightfully so. But Deion Sanders talked a different type of trash, especially to younger, newer receivers. Like Sanders wouldn't just get in your face and be like, you suck, blah, 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 bark at you, right? Sanders would actually work with you. So a, a, a second-year wide receiver going up against Deion, prime Deion, would make a cut, a move, the ball would come, you know, Sanders would make a play on it. And Sanders would walk back explaining to the guy what he did wrong, say, this is why I was able to get a break on you, man. Like, you better, you better tighten this up or I'm going to be on you all. That's the type of psychological stuff that gets in your head. So, I don't know, maybe there is a couple of guys, or there are a couple of guys on the Eagles, Mike, who are thinking like, oh, okay, you know, even Michael Parsons, no, no, no. I, I don't know what, what it is ultimately, but – I don't trust it, and I don't trust anything Michael Parsons says. Well, he is a Philly guy. Isn't he a fan, right? Isn't he a Philly fan? And maybe he's just kind of fanboying himself uh, from afar. He was, wasn't he the guy when they got Jalen Carter? Like, how the heck did we let them get Jalen Carter? Yeah. You get him yeah. in. Now- he's a troll job. That's what I think. The more and more we talk about this, I don't trust him. They go out and get Kevin Byard. They add that, and it could be envious. That could be his message to his guy. Hey, we keep standing. We keep standing pat, and they have to keep doing stuff. Uh, that's a dangerous line to walk, real quick, to to troll your boss if that boss is Jerry Jones. That's true, but you're Micah Parsons. Are you bigger than Jerry Jones? That's I, 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 that isn't bigger than Jerry Jones, Mike. Yeah, 
you're yeah well guess what in the immortal words of the eagles we all we got we all we need that's the problem with micah parsons it's all they got is micah parsons and i'm not sure i think they probably need a little more all right Aton. uh it's philadelphia the eagles let us all down um so what's this team's biggest issue at six and one commanders dallas and then the bye I think Washington remains a, a problem here, and we've seen that in tough games, one-score games, beating them last year. And you have Dallas ahead, so there's a big look-ahead moment as well. Just getting clear and holding off Washington doesn't give me any more, I guess, confidence that they can knock off Dallas. These are two tough divisional games. So ultimately, if you get by and you're 2-0, then there isn't much to worry about at eight and one handling the, the division with your lone loss coming to the Jets out of conference on the road in a really just predictable spot. If they split, I'm, I'm pretty much where I am right now, Mike. And I say, you know, I've had some issues. I've had some concerns. They reared its ugly head the most against the Jets. So they're going to have to clean up and trust and not abandon stuff like leave the run game too early, leave the pass game too early. If they go 0-2 and they lose to Washington, lose to Dallas before the bye, which I don't think is going to happen, but if that does, like we said the same thing, if they go 0-2 against the Arizona Diamondbacks, we said the same thing about the Phillies, right? If the Eagles lose two straight in division, any issue, any concern that you had leading up to that Jets game, is now valid for the entire year and I think should be expanded upon. I don't think it happens, but that's going to be interesting because where it's placed in the season, you're right before that bye, and then after that bye, you got that real gauntlet of games. But that first Dallas game, because right now, and this is why that Jets game I thought was so important to win that game. You lost that game, but now San Francisco lost. You would have been two games up for home field advantage had you won that Jet game, and now you're still a game up, but if you have that game and a slip-up against Dallas, not only does that change the number one seed, it changes the complexion of the NFC East. We'll talk more about that game uh, next week here. Um, are you worried at all about Washington? Let me say this. Washington beat you last year. Yep. They always seem to have a game, Washington, against you. But I think that game was the first time they played. They had a great game plan. They executed the game plan. But can Washington really execute the game plan a second time against Philadelphia? I think this Washington game is more like the game where Philadelphia beat up Carson Wentz last year. Their line's got all sorts of problems. Teams got our line six and a half. Everybody thinks you, you get below that key number of seven. You're in great shape. Teams that are line minus six and a half are only covering at about 46.5%, which is pretty shocking when you think like, okay, six is a key number, seven is a key number from a betting standpoint. I would not bet six and a half on either side. If I was forced to, I'd probably lean Eagles, but you can't come into this game and then be shocked, floored, or any other similar reaction if Washington holds this to a one-possession game, if the Philadelphia Eagles are holding off Sam Howell and the Washington offense in the final possession of the football game. If the Eagles are coming back after a slow first half in which they didn't really do much. The one thing that I, I am more confident about than, than I have been in weeks prior, Mike, and, and it was in this Dolphins game, and I'll give them that, scoring in the second half. If the Eagles do have a slow first half, if they're sluggish, if it's just Washington with a great game plan, and they need to pick it up and light a fire under their rear in the second half, 
I'm confident that the Eagles can adjust, especially on offense, because we saw, right, two straight games of no touchdowns in the second half, and then they turned that around against Miami. But, yeah, this is probably like a three- to five-point football game in which the Eagles win, and we feel good about the win, but that's where I think I'll differ with you. I I think, unlike in years prior, the second time around this year is not going to be as easy for the Eagles. Right, uh, Aton. Uh, I I think this game is. Uh, I, I guess we disagree a little bit. I I think Washington. Now listen, I'm not going. Well, Washington looked like crap last week against the sure. Giants. They got offensive line issues, and I just shooting as well as they did the last time. So I like Philly, and I kind of like them. You know, 28, 10, 28, 13, something like that. I think Washington will have some problems. A lot of sacks for the Eagles, which gets us in too. The player props we like this week against Washington. I always start there, Aton, and I like guys that get sacks. I'll go Reddick, Josh Sweat, Jalen Carter, put them in some sort of thing, and if you can get a sack. Uh, I, I like uh, those numbers there. You generally get some good odds, too, especially if you put them together. So give me a Reddick or Sweat uh, or a Reddick and Jalen Carter combination for a parlay, and you should get some good value on the player or sack in that game. Okay. You love your sacks and your player props, man. Well, I like the sacks from teams like the Eagles who play against bad offensive line. Okay. This offensive line is near the bottom of the league. So I'll I'll give you two, and I, I want to make sure that I have the right number here because I don't think I do. But the total I definitely have in front of me, 43 and a half. You just said your two scores are fine with me. This thing is under. It's It's a division game. The Eagles' offense is not as you, – you can't rely on it as much as we've seen in, in years prior. So I love the under 43-and-a-half. You're a couple points above 41, 41-51 are the two big ones for me that, that I pay attention to. I don't think it goes over 43-and-a-half. I'd be a little surprised on that. And then also just, just keep an eye on it, right, because it's probably going to change. But the team total for Washington, I would go under as well. It's going to be below 13, or it's going to be above that 13 number. So even if it's like 14, 14 and a half, something along those lines, I'm fine with going under that. I just, even if it's close, it's a one-score game, I don't think it's a high-scoring game. So I'd go under the total and under Washington's team total. All right, uh, there's a couple player props for you there. And, of course, we're recording this uh, on Wednesday. So it's a little bit of actual numbers out there. But that's just the mindset of where we're kind of going. The sack odds aren't out on a Wednesday yet. But when they come out, you should be able to get, you know, Reddick or Sweat at 0.75 sacks or over at, like, minus 115, 125. Parlay them together. Get you a little plus money there on that side all right uh Aton, believe in the eagles don't forget like rate review subscribe to the podcast feed check us out each and every week here as the eagles get ready for the washington what are we calling them this year commanders still commanders until they change their name they're the commanders right josh harris will change the name i think so josh harris Josh Harris is a meddler with everything except the Sixers. Have you noticed that? Like with ownership and stuff. He, he for some reason, it, maybe because there's 12 other individuals, or at least 11, I think Ruben is out, right? Uh, like there's 10, 11 other guys that are around this board of governors for the Sixers themselves. But yeah, I could see Harris coming in and putting his own stamp on this. And, and look, rightfully so. If I owned that team following Daniel Snyder, I'd do everything I could to remove Snyder's name. Get the stink off the Snyders. Okay. 
Uh, that's it for us. Aton and I will be back next week with another edition of Believe in the Eagles. We like the buyer trade. We agree with Micah Parsons. We don't fear the commanders, and I think there'll be a couple sacks. That's all we got this week here on Believe in Eagles. Have a great week, everybody. Go Birds. Go Birds. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.